Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. We are very glad that you have joined us today. We are so interested and intrigued is probably a good word for how women thrive. And we honestly believe that thriving is more than eating right and exercising and thinking positive thoughts. It it also is about who surrounds you. Um, who encourages you. And I think women communicate in unique ways. And by talking to these various guests, we are going to celebrate our various approaches. And we want to provoke thoughts that you may not have considered or ones that you considered a while ago and put aside. Because I think as women, we often hold back from things and think, "I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. But what are you holding back from and why? And if not today, then when? Because thriving means you matter, and you matter to yourself as well as to all those who care about you. So we are very pleased to be able to offer you a wonderful guest today from Down Under. Claire Kerslake will be joining us today. She's a health and wellness coach, a registered nurse, and a diabetes educator. And we're going to talk today about an aspect that I think is so critical to women. Women tend to have a lot of negative self-speak. We're critical of ourselves. We want to be perfect. And I think we've all realized, much to our chagrin, perfect is um, not possible. It's not even aspirational. But we can be the best possible healthy selves if we take a look at how we view ourselves and those around us and how we communicate. So I am delighted to welcome Claire Kerslake from Australia to Wise Health for Women Radio. Good morning, Claire. Good morning, Linda. Lovely to be here. Now, meaning that she's in Australia, it's well over midnight there. So I think that's incredible dedication. So thank you for your time at such a, <laughs> I couldn't put words together at um, midnight. So I'm, I'm really very, very impressed to begin with. So talk to us about women and our tendency to be so very hard on ourselves and harder on ourselves than others are on us. Oh, much more, Linda. Yes, it's um, unfortunately self-compassion isn't our default. Our default is to be self-critical and it seems to be a trait that is fairly common. I'm really passionate about, uh, you know, not doing that and Mm -hmm. spreading the word that self-compassion and self-kindness is really the way to go for lots of reasons. Yes, so... Often, too, we've got this nasty little voice in our head that just goes on and on and sometimes we don't even realise how how critical we are. And I just love the saying, it goes something like, it's really hard to love someone who is mean to you all the time. Mm. And that is just so true. So what you're saying is that if we're being mean to ourselves, we are not really loving ourselves. We are not really opening ourselves up. And it's much harder to be our best self if we're doing that, correct? 
Oh, absolutely. Yes, it's it's not kind. And there's a, a bigger body of, of research around this now. Often we think when we're talking about health and creating healthy habits that we do need to be mean to ourselves and strict and have lots of discipline and that's how we do achieve, you know, a healthier diet or exercise or whatever it is. But in fact, the research shows really clearly that that's not the case. We're likely to, when we're critical, we're likely to have less motivation, less willpower. And on the other side of the coin, when we're uh, self-compassionate, we, we are healthier, we're more likely to exercise, more likely to follow a healthy diet, we're less afraid of failure and, and when we're creating healthy habits, it's all about trial and error. So if we beat ourselves up every time we slip up in a habit, uh, you know, it, it's not only unkind, it's not helpful at all. Mm. It's self-defeating. Uh, one example that I'll give of that, and you tell me if this fits what you're talking about, is when you make a decision to eat healthier or cut sugar from your diet or walk around the block three times a day and you miss a day, so often we beat ourselves up that that didn't work. And I guess that doesn't fit my life now. Or we realize we need to get back on that practice, but we'll wait till Monday. <laughs> because I think that women tend to, or many, men and women, wait until Monday to start things. And in reality, so you, isn't mm. it? But, mm. but you don't need to do that. And there's a, there's a saying that I love, um, which is why I brought up in the opening about, you know, what are you holding back from and why? And if not today, then tomorrow, because I think we often save things and tomorrow is never a promise to us. And what are we saving it for? Do we not feel that we are worthy? And that falls in with your self-critical piece. If we are so self-critical or listening to the negative voices, we're not really opening ourselves up to as you said, there's more motivation when we're kinder to ourselves. Absolutely, much more. Yes, and when when we, uh, to go back about, you know, we'll start Monday, often Monday doesn't come. We have <laughs> the, the, and the research around this is really fascinating. Often um, we have the best of intentions, the absolute best of intentions, but it, as long as it's in the future, when the future becomes the present, it's, oh, oh, perhaps not today. So, yes, it's all very interesting. Well, yeah. There's a saying that I love. Um, there are seven days in a week and none of them are called someday. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Yes. <laughs> it's true. And I, I love, let me follow on on what you just said. Um, we often have the best of intentions. But so many people live their lives accepting the way it is instead of intentionally making the decisions to make the small steps. And I think that, and that comes from the John Maxwell leadership book, Intentional Living, because unless we make those choices and follow through on them, really things don't change. And so yourself in a rut. And I, I think that, you know, women have stages in life when they're taking care of other people and they're they're putting others first. 
And that may be their entire lifetime that they're doing that. But taking care of yourself first is the best way to go to take care of others and to be more, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And this might be a generalisation, but women tend to be natural nurturers and Mm -hmm. we give and give and give until the well is dry. And you can't give water from an empty well. It's just so critical that you keep yourself uh, nurtured and you you do things regularly in your life that, that give you joy, that refill that well. It's just so important. It doesn't have to be big things either, Linda. Can can literally be as simple as, okay, this is my time. I'm going to sit down and have a beautiful cup of tea. And just it can be as simple as just allowing um, self-kindness to wash over you. Uh, it can be really simple things, five-minute walk in nature, but just that sense of, okay, what can I do that will give me joy and and nurture my soul because we do tend to give and give. And I see sometimes in my clients really to the detriment of uh, their own health. So um, nurturing yourself and putting yourself first is just so important. We agree on that, but I I will pose a question that I've heard a million times. Uh, I don't have time to figure out what gives me joy. And unless you know what gives you joy and you take the time to figure it out, it's hard to make a plan of even the small steps. What would you give as some tips to take those small steps to prioritize yourself, even find out what gives you joy and to, to note them down? That's a really good point, Linda. And I, I ask clients sometimes, you know, what, what does give you joy? Like, what lights your soul up? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll say nothing because they have given and given for so long. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just to, to look at your life with a, just like a gentle curiosity, experimental. Sometimes you need to just experiment with things. It might be, an, and I certainly get the no time issue, no time to do things for yourself or even think about that. Just to have a look, okay, have I got five minutes where I can perhaps even get someone to do it? We're very bad to it, asking people to help us. <laughs> and yes, I, we are. Yes, I'm certainly put, putting my hand up for this. Me too. Uh, but sometimes it's okay, where in my life can I ask someone to, to help me? So even to give me a little bit of space to think about something like this. And and as I say, it doesn't have to be a lot of time, but just to have a play. See see what does give you joy and light you up. Yeah. I, it, I really think, though, that some people don't take the time to find out what gives you joy. I have a very tiny little habit because when vacations aren't possible and everyone's so busy, you have to take your self-joy where you can. And so, for example, that bowl of oatmeal in the morning, I will eat it with a silver spoon that was precious to my mother. And it, it just feels more special. And, and you hand wash it, and I set it aside for the next day. Small, but... But it brings her back to mind. My, I lost my mother in my 20s. And it brings her back to mind and I, I feel connected and kind. And that's a little tiny thing. Who would think a spoon? 
It's a tiny thing, but it's a big thing. And it's a beautiful example, Linda, of just what you can do that nurtures your soul and gives you joy. Yeah, it can be those little things. It can be like a ritual. Making yourself a cup of tea is very similar, yeah, around your beautiful one with your oatmeal. Mm. Well, it's just a, it's a simple little thing because um, I, th- I think sometimes remembering happy times is very, very important. So we are going to go on our first short break, and we're talking with Claire Kerslake from Australia about self-compassion, and we'll be back after these short messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Women's Health Magazine cited a recent study that showed 41% of women said the main reason they do not eat better is because they do not have enough time. It takes time to plan healthy, low-calorie meals, not to mention going to the store and buying the right foods. But it's worth it. A survey by the CDC found that almost 40% of people who lost a significant amount of weight and kept it off planned their weekly meals. Map out your meals for a week, spending just an hour or two on the weekend shopping for a week's worth of healthy meals will save you time and pounds in the long run. If you take the time to plan out what you're going to eat and have it on hand, you will be successful in your weight loss and not be tempted to eat junk food. Mapping out your eating is a good idea. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Claire Kerslake. And Claire, before the break, we were talking about the small acts that we can do and take. And I gave my very minor um, spoon, using a spoon that is I'm very fond of and then brings back memories of my mother uh, in the morning as a good way to Can you talk more about what you mentioned earlier about trial and error and and things for people to try? Because we are not a one-size-fits-all gender. And what works for one person may not light up the next one. So can you share some more examples of trial and error, um, thinking through what gives you joy, and about self-compassion increasing our motivation? Oh, definitely, Linda. Yes, we. it's really interesting. Unfortunately, we're not taught how to create healthy habits in our lives. 
and we think, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to make a big, uh, big change. And then inevitably that doesn't work. And then, but we don't blame the fact that perhaps we haven't been taught how to get healthy. It's all on ourselves. We blame ourselves and beat ourselves up, which makes our motivation less likely to, um, you know, lowers our motivation. But creating healthy habits is about trial and error. It's all, and having that with a beautiful, gentle lightness and experimenting and just looking at, okay, you know, why didn't that work? What can I change about that? An example is, for instance, with uh, healthy eating. So we might uh, make a decision that we're going to have a healthier diet, perhaps add some more veggies in or perhaps a little bit less processed food. And we don't give ourselves credit for the many, many decisions we make through the day that follow that decision. And I was really surprised, Elaine. We make over 200 food-related decisions a day. It's absolutely mm-hmm. extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So we don't, don't give ourselves credit for the 199 great decisions that we've made. We beat ourselves up for the one decision that perhaps hasn't followed our, our, um, our big, big change of, of cleaning up our diet. So, and, what would this look like? So it might be that, for instance, you succumb to the chocolate in the fridge. Or for me, it used to be after a busy day, I'd sort of think, oh, look, I really deserve this, whether it was soda or, or chocolate or whatever. <laughs> uh, and, and then you beat yourself up, which doesn't help. It makes me, you know, makes everyone less likely to try again. Right. And we're afraid of failing. Uh, we're less motivated, we've got less willpower. So it's really, not only is it unkind, it's, it's not helpful at all. So yeah, trial and error and, and, uh, really making those, those, um, changes very small so that we don't need a lot of motivation. It's something that there's a real lightness about it. We can have a play. Okay. Which time of day is better for this? An example too from my life is in my meditation practice and we were talking about what gives you joy and what lights you up and nurtures the soul. And for years I loved to meditate. I knew that it was something that would, uh, if I did regularly, really enrich my life and really struggled to, to do that regularly until I decided to try and do it as soon as I got up in the morning. Mm. And it's been an outstanding success. And one of the reasons is that I'm doing it after a a trigger, which is getting out of bed in the morning, Mm -hmm. and I'm doing it every day. And as a previous non-morning person, if you'd told me a few years ago that I'd be getting up very early to meditate, (laughs) and I I would have, you know, I, I would have been incredulous. So that's where the experimenting comes in with, you know, the time or just changing something. You know, I, I would have told you this would never work. So mm-hmm. just to experiment and see how it goes, not to beat yourself up if it doesn't work, you, you, you think of something else, try something else, look at what's come up to get in the way of that habit. So it's quite a different way of creating health in our lives as well as being kind. On that note, 
Do you think that women have a difficult time celebrating the small successes? Are they always looking for the next one? Okay, well, I, I, I meant to run today and I walked instead. And they beat themselves up when, if you reframe that, I at least I went on a walk today and I feel motivated tomorrow. And there's two ways to look at that. You know, what is the reframing that makes it positive so that you did do something? Um, you added an extra vegetable to the meal that day and saying, well, I meant to eat a whole good meal. Well, if you if you think about the blessing that you were able to do the small change, small change is a crew to make a, a, a bigger change. But if we aren't stopping to celebrate the small victories, aren't we again not achieving more motivation but less? Absolutely. That celebrating those small victories and reframing is really important. And probably the first step to that, Linda, is just noticing what your mm-hmm. self-talk is. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And then turning it around. Okay, what, what would I say to a, a treasured friend in this situation? And that can often help us to reframe. And look at what we have done. Yes, that, that's so true. You know, it's interesting that you just said that about think about what you would say to a treasured friend. You would not be the damaging self-talk that you're using on yourself. I, I know that we have celebrated, you know, when someone else comes to you and said, I, I, I didn't run, I walked today or I only jogged a small interval. We're like, but at least you got out. Well done for you. And so we encourage others, but we're not in the habit of encouraging that's true yes and the beautiful thing Linda is that self-compassion is a skill even though it's not our default it's a skill that we can learn Mm -hmm. and one of the exercises is really just what we're talking about that noticing Mm -hmm. and then reframing think about what would what would you say to a treasured friend and then reframing that and just practicing that skill. And you get to the point where it is much more your default. I'm really passionate about this, as you can probably tell. Mm-hmm. But I still notice times where I need to reframe. So just that that noticing, that mindfulness about what your self-talk is like and the tone of your voice too. It's not just the words, it's the tone as well. So they're very, very important. Well, that's, again, where we were often taught it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I know that among a few of my friends, we've begun to say, wait a minute, you're, you, just, you just said something mean to yourself. And noticing, almost like accountability partners, so that you, you don't even realize sometimes that you talk negatively by your, about yourself. And so sometimes having a friend who will help encourage you and, as you said, talk to you like you should be talking to you um, may make a difference. I know it has helped me. Absolutely. And often a, a friend like that will pick up things that you just don't notice. Mm-hmm. So that that's absolutely wonderful. Very true. Mm. It It is yeah. true. And I, I think that... Um, I love also how you mentioned the lightness. I think we often get caught in being so serious. And we 
we do tend at times to make life very complex when it could be quite simple. And again, that that is perhaps a, a more prevalent female trait because I think both society and our uh, parenting perhaps have have raised us to think we can do it all. And And the reality is that no one can do it all. But you can prioritize what's important. And if you don't prioritize yourself, how are you going to nurture others? Absolutely. That just, uh, it's a really, such an important lesson, I think, that as women, we, we need to internalise. We just don't realise that uh, we can't help others unless we nurture ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I would love to talk to you about the fact that oftentimes when people make these changes, they view them as deprivation. You know, I'm going to stop eating added sugar. I'm going to stop doing X, Y, Z. Um, as opposed to, it's better for me if I reduce the amount of sugar that I'm eating. That's just a silly example, but it's one. And we're coming up on a break, but perhaps you could start on talking about the fact that how do we reframe and I wish you'd help us with that. How do you reframe when you are making changes that they come out in a positive manner? Yes, that's that's really interesting, isn't it? And food's an interesting one where we, we have so much processed food nowadays that we just crave full of, you know, salt and, and fat and and uh, sugar and our bodies are, are wired to, to light up like a Christmas tree with mm-hmm. those and we forget that food is to nurture our body and mm-hmm. to, to fill our, our body with the um, nutrients it needs to function really well and all those lovely micronutrients. So even that to think, okay, is this food uh, going to nurture my body or is it going to take away from that? And that in itself can be a really pivotal reframe and not thinking, okay, these veggies are, oh, no, I've got to eat more veggies. <laughs> Instead of, okay, how is this nurturing my my uh, my body and my life to help me do the things that I want to do? Well, exactly. Brilliant. Because if we don't um, reframe it in a way it does feel like deprivation and we're coming up on our next break and I would love to continue this discussion afterward because I think if we have these examples to think about I'd love to put Claire on our shoulder during the day and and have <laughs> you recall some of these statements because I think they're very good examples about um, how we're doing things we aren't even aware that we may be doing. And with small little verbal changes, mental changes, we can receive ourselves a lot better. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio, and we're talking with Claire Kerslake from Australia today about self-compassion. And we'll be back after some short messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's Merging Denver. We've known for a long time that diamonds are precious or worth a lot of due to rumors. That means money. Did you ever wonder how a polished pebble becomes one of the most expensive things on earth? 
Two centuries ago, diamonds were worn only by royalty. But in 1870, miners discovered huge deposits of diamonds in South Africa. And soon after, the diamond market was flooded. That's when a man named Cecil Rhodes started buying up shares of the diamond mines. Eighteen years later, Rhodes controlled the entire South African supply of diamonds. He started his own newspaper and magazine articles with clever ad campaigns about cut, clarity, color, and carrot. He also convinced women that they weren't truly engaged to be married without a diamond ring. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Do you need some new motivation to give your exercise some kick? You should consider training to run a marathon. Most people would agree, 26.2 miles is a long way to run. Yet that is what thousands of people do every year when they run a marathon. The runner's feet will slam into the hard road about 26,000 times each. Most participants do not run a marathon to win. Their reasons vary from challenging themselves, to having a goal, to just to prove that they can do it. There are 245 marathons in the United States each year. The average time for men to run a marathon is four and a half hours, and for women, it's a little over five hours. You may be thinking about running marathons, and my suggestion is, go for it. If you decide to participate in a marathon, you will will train and exercise quite a bit, and I like that. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio, and we're continuing our discussion with Claire Kerslake. Claire, before the break, we were talking about reframing sentences that we say to ourselves so that it's a positive add to our lives as uh, opposed to a deprivation or something taken away, which can really change our mental shift towards sustaining those small changes. So perhaps you have a few other examples that you can share with us. Yes, certainly, Linda. We were talking about food, and that can be the case with exercise as well. Often, some people, sometimes I think the the world's divided into two people, people who love to exercise and people that really don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a natural exercise lover. Um, But just reframing that, instead of it being something I have to do and it's hard and tough and, you know, it's hot and sweaty, to think, okay, moving my body is something that's going to help me uh, be healthier and live and do the thing, other things I want to do. But what would I enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. You know, what feels good? So, and once again, that experimenting, would yoga be that or trying this or just trying a few different things? You'd be often be surprised at what, what comes up. The other thing is, if okay, if I can't actually enjoy the exercise, perhaps I can enjoy uh, put something else, pair it with another another activity. So for me, I just adore listening to podcasts while I'm exercising. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. So, uh, so I, it is a good thing, <laughs> and I've I've paired something that I really love to do with something that perhaps I don't love quite as much. I and love the other that. thing, yes. And the other thing that's worked in my life, and once again with the theme of experimenting, is that I um, bought a bike this last year, uh, like a push bike, 
and you know things were pretty rocky for a little while mm-hmm. but I just adore it and once again if you'd asked me you know 12 18 months ago would I be riding a bike regularly I would have said absolutely not but so it's just that lovely experimenting and look at okay what am I going to enjoy you know, you bring up such a very good point because I think we can often see the little boy inside the man, but it's much harder to find the little girl inside a woman, which is a shame because when you talked about a bike, what it brought to mind is when we first learned to ride bicycles and how much freedom that gave us and how much of a joy it was to zip around the neighborhood if you're fortunate or in a park, if you lived in a city. So something that does give you joy or brings back a fun memory really does make exercising a more positive thing. And and if for no other reason, I mean there's physics on this. You know, if as you get older, a, a body in motion will stay in motion. If you start to become very sedentary, it becomes a real haul to get yourself back into shape. But it's worth it. I mean, don't don't think don't stop just because it's harder. But the more you keep your body moving, it's like a car that you don't use. If you don't use that car, sitting there is going to do it more damage than driving it on a regular basis. Oh, absolutely. And it's really interesting, Linda. We think that exercising for health is a really great reason, one of the best reasons we could do to start exercising, particularly if we're not Um, currently exercising but in fact that's a terrible reason we're more likely to stop stop exercising if that's our reason Mm -hmm. but the studies show that if our reason is something that finds something that we enjoy we're much more likely to keep going and in a way it's common sense but we Mm -hmm. don't sort of think about that so that you know conjuring up that sense of fun that I think as we get older and we get more serious we lose a little bit but uh, yes thinking about okay what did I used to enjoy as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and having a bit of a play with that I I love I love that because I um I happen to love to rollerblade which in the United States was a big deal in the 80s but nobody really rollerblades anymore but I never stopped and my my because I love it it makes me feel like I'm skiing How and I'm in wonderful. motion and I don't oh. and it's cardiovascular um and it it just is an all over body workout I'm out in nature on a long bike trail we are blessed to have here and I laughed because my daughter said to me mom no one rollerblades anymore and I I said but why do I care about that? It's something I love. I'm in great shape. It feels good. I'm out in nature. There's no downside. And would you believe it is starting to come back again? Like everything else, there's usually a 20-year a uh, cycle of things. But it's really a delightful thing. So I don't even mind doing something that's completely, quote, out of style because it <laughs> makes me feel good. Oh, fantastic. Yes, and you're likely to continue it. And it's going to be in fashion soon, Linda, so you'll be set. Well, I I sort of make my own fashion, as you can yeah, tell. That's <laughs> but I, I think that comes, and I love that part about growing older, is you are more comfortable in your skin. You are more comfortable making decisions that are made for good reasons, and or your reasons, which are 
good reasons inherently. I think something, one, one thing I need to bring up about making choices and, and self-compassion is when you are kind to yourself, shows when you exercise because it makes you feel better and healthier, it shows on the outside. When you eat well or better than you were eating, it shows on the outside. And if your motivation is simply to look better, that's just fine. There's nothing wrong with that if that is what your motivation is because it's all true. It will all bring it. And the better you feel, the better you look and the better you present to other people who will find the light in you again. That's right. And what everyone's motivation is going to be different and whatever works, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, that's fantastic, yeah. Uh, and it will be different for everyone. So, yeah, to, to look better, wonderful, fantastic. But it, but it really is true. The better we feel about ourselves, it, it all adds up. The, the negative self-talk, the eating better, um, give yourself the treat, celebrate the wins, um, the exercise, all of it really is true. And the better you feel about yourself, don't you feel that that also helps our communication with others? Uh, absolutely. There's that inner glow, I think, that comes when you're, you're doing that and particularly when you do have the, the habit of that self-compassion and self-kindness. Uh, and that I love what you say too about celebrating the wins because as women we're, we're uh, terrible at that. Mm-hmm. And recently in, in my life I um, had a bit of an injury so I hadn't been Sorry. able to get on the bike. Yeah, but all good now. But I'd, I'd lost my fitness with the bike um, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I found myself saying to my husband, oh, I only did, you know, so many Ks today. And I, that was one instance where I caught myself, look, look no, I've done really well. I, I'm working <laughs> my way up. I've got a plan. And it's so funny, yeah, to um, instead of celebrating what I'd done, I was running it down a little bit. So that celebration is really important. And also to anchor those habits in. It sounds really silly. Uh, but once again, it's conjuring up that sense of fun as well. But it does help to anchor those habits in and make us more likely to continue them. So it feels good and uh, really good to, to help us as well. It's true. And, and these things can be so simple. I love that you said you caught yourself because it's that self-awareness. And, and it is really valuable to take the time to figure out what gives you joy? What do you say to pay attention to those things? And frankly, that's a little habit that gets to be more ingrained as you start to pay attention to it. it it's no different than looking for red cars and suddenly you see red cars everywhere. And if you find yourself talking nicely to yourself, you know, celebrate that because the negative self-talk is all too easy to fall into. How many women, when given a compliment... Uh, say, oh no, no, no! I, you know, I, I thanks, but I, I look awful today. <laughs> that's not. But that's negative self-talk too. It is, and it can be so hard when you start to turn that around. Just to say simply thank you. At uh, once, you get into the habit of that. But um, when you when you first start, you think, oh, it feels so uncomfortable. But uh, 
but so important. I think too, Linda, the ability to self-soothe, like to have a bit of a, um, a smorgasbord, if you like, of things that nurture your soul and make you feel better on those days that we all have, let's face it, that, that life has, has got a bit bumpy, is very important. So, you know, to have sort of a go-to list of things and, and you know, for you, you know, having your beautiful breakfast with that, that spoon is is uh, a lovely habit that's just there all the time. And also to have a collection of beautiful things that uh, you can turn to when, when life perhaps is that little bit bumpy. And I think people can find meaning in a lot of small everyday things um, if you're simply aware of what it is that gives you joy. So I think we're coming back to this circle of you do need to remember what gives you joy. What what did you say lights up your soul? I love that because if you are aware of those things, you will find yourself making a purposeful effort, an intentional effort to nurture that. And I, I, again, I think people roll their eyes at, the term self-care and think it can't be done but you can five five minutes here and five minutes there and think about too about the things that you aren't using because you'll save them for tomorrow and that's important it is it's all about that not holding back isn't it that life mm-hmm. is just so precious and and get out there use the good silver use the use the beautiful glasses you know get out and live life yeah that that's I think right. it's as simple as a as a as a belly laugh. Have you ever been so surprised at hearing yourself laugh because you hadn't laughed in a while? Uh, and as adults, we don't laugh enough. We, as you said before, we get so serious, don't we? And we forget that you know life can be fun, and to find that joy and that laughter is is so important. It, it really is, and it, it laughter is indeed good medicine. All of the studies show it. And if you are living alone and you can't find someone to laugh with, uh, go onto YouTube and watch funny videos. It's a wonderful way to shift your thinking. We're coming up on our last break, and we're talking with Claire Kerslake from Australia, and we'll be back after these short messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's words you never heard. Do you ever get nervous riding in an elevator because you're afraid the cable might snap? It's entered my mind more than once. According to Elevator World magazine, on the rare occasion a cable breaks, the car won't hunge plunge to the bottom. This is because elevators have as many as 10 cables holding them up, each capable of supporting a fully loaded car. Sometimes I feel a little mischievous in elevators. Next time you're feeling like a rapscallion, try one of these little jokes. When there's only one other person in the elevator, tap them on the shoulder and then pretend it wasn't you. Push one of the buttons and pretend it gave you a shock. Or maybe start a sing-along. What's a word for a person who thinks he's funny but no one else does? Vitzel soup. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Harvey McKay, author of the best-selling book, 
use your head to get your foot in the door includes job search secrets no one else will tell you. Harvey is a true ideopraxist. That's a person who puts ideas into practice. Harvey admits landing the right job can be more difficult than the job itself. And successful people can't have pornophobia. That's the fear of work. But in these economic times, it can be a necessity to make money any way you can. What's a word for using any means to make money? Cuomo de Quinquais. So what's the best job to have? Will Rogers once said, the best job in the country is the vice president. All he has to do is get up every day and ask, how is the president? It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. Claire, before the break, we were talking about self-soothing. And while we were on break, you and I were talking about that not everyone knows how to self-soothe. There are many, many women who go through their days with enormous busyness, keeping everything running back to back. And some of it is non-negotiable. You know, children have to be someplace, you have to get a job, uh, you have to achieve certain things. And, and yet, if we start to carve out a little bit of time for ourselves, we find that the world does not fall apart. And that if you start with five minutes, then ten and start to build up, pretty soon you can build yourself into either two half hours or an hour a day or even more if you're you know, able to do that. How do you work with folks who are very much in that busyness mode? Where, where would you begin about being aware and mindful? What are some of the suggestions you would offer? This is a great question, Linda, and, and I'm chuckling to myself because I, I used to be the absolute epitome of busyness mm-hmm. and uh, doing, doing, doing and a real perfectionist and very independent, wouldn't ask for help. So, And I do see this in my clients as well and with women generally. So I can certainly speak to this. Where do you think I got the example from my? <laughs> <laughs> I I think uh, it starts with uh, just a realization of how of your role in it and uh, what's happening and just how important that you know rest and self care and nurturing is. It's learning to ask for help. Uh, that's important. What can you delegate, which is fantastic, just to to free up that little bit of time. And often we're our worst enemies mm-hmm. with that. It's looking at, okay, what, what can I do a, a little bit differently? Some practices that I find really helpful in my life and are very helpful with women generally are something as simple as a gratitude practice. So at the end of the day, some people love to do it in the morning, some people like to do it at night, um, just to list you know, three or five things that you're grateful for. And it can be really simple. Sometimes it can be I'm, I'm grateful that you know, I, I woke up today and I'm I'm breathing. I'm grateful for my, right. you know, that I can walk around. I can remember the more you do it, the the better you get at it in, in looking at the beauty 
in your life and around you. Mm-hmm. It can be as simple as, you know, stopping to smell a rose. It can be as simple. I can remember driving to work once and seeing a spider web on the fence that had some frost on. And it just looked the most beautiful thing. It looked like it was encrusted with jewels. And when you start looking for gratitude, you you just things to be grateful for. You find it everywhere. And we know that will just make us feel better in ourselves. Other things, and I guess circling back to our um, self-compassion and the fact that often we can be quite uh, self-critical, there's some... of really lovely journaling exercises that can really help with that to turn that around and as I mentioned before it's noticing that's the first thing mm-hmm. and then um, that that writing a letter to yourself oh, uh, from the pers- yeah from the perspective of someone who loves you unconditionally so about a, an issue so so perhaps you you decided to eat healthily and then they bought in a cake at work for morning tea or whatever it is and you 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 slipped off your um, your decision uh, you know it can be okay writing a letter to yourself about that from someone that that loves you and and comparing okay that that is a different way of looking at it um, and that can really help as well make a very good point because I think if you start writing and you start seeing that you're writing um, either negative things or that it's darker than you thought you you can ease up on yourself Um, another point I wanted to make was that with a gratitude journal putting down three to five things at night or morning or whenever you do it gives you a record of where you were at that point in time and you can look back and know that the times you went through, the bumpy times, as you put it, you're different now. And I think that we can learn from everything we go through in life, good and bad. And often it's adversity that pushes us to make a change. But I think what we're trying to say in all of these shows is that get to a crisis stage, if it can be avoided. Now, certain illnesses are nothing that you can do about. But you can take the time to be more mindful, to be more aware, to be grateful for, as you said, waking up in the morning. And I love your writing a letter to yourself. There's a song about letter to my younger self or something like that. And and that's an interesting thought because many people love to express their creativity uh, out of on on paper. It, It gives them an outlet and it's private. It's 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 for you. That's right. It can be so helpful. And the the thing is with life can be a bit stressful. Many people are under chronic stress. Mm-hmm. And when we're self-critical too, that, that stimulates our stress response, which, which isn't helpful for our, you know, it doesn't make us feel good and isn't helpful mm-hmm. for our health. And when we're stressed, we often spend a lot of time in our head and with our thoughts that tend to regurgitate a lot and they tend to make the situation much worse. So that's where I love mindfulness, both mindfulness of our thoughts but also our environment can just um, break that cycle and stimulate the relaxation response as well. So even those simple little journaling exercises can be just so helpful 
to break that cycle and um, make us feel better and lower that stress that we have, many people have in their lives as well. Absolutely. Um, we have not mentioned something that I think helps many people and they have access to this, and that is animals. Animals in our life often love us unconditionally. And it's proven that having them in our lives can really lower your heart rate, produce the dopamine, make you feel better. So talk about simple. If you have an animal in your household, just the sheer act of petting an animal is therapeutic. Absolutely. Something so simple, isn't it, Linda? But uh, we forget. Uh, but uh, just makes such a difference. Fantastic. Yeah. And if you don't yeah. have a pet, all I know is those funny videos on YouTube about silly animals. They're hilarious. Aren't they amazing? Yes. We, uh, <laughs> we, we had a cat that, well, have a cat that actually chose us. We were definitely not cat people, but she's trained us very well. <laughs> uh, they're, they're very wise, aren't they, sometimes? They are, absolutely. Yeah. So we have just a few minutes left. So I'd like people to know how to find out more about you and your practices and what you offer. Where would they reach you, Claire? My website's uh, just my name, so clairekerslake.com. And there, you know, lots of articles about health and, uh, you know, creating healthy habits. Mm-hmm. And I've got a... a a free challenge that someone can do if they want to sort of kickstart things off, which sort of embodies really everything we've talked about as well because health is just so important and encompasses much more than, you know, diet and exercise. It's that all-important mindset, being kind to ourselves as well. It's just uh, just so important. Thank you for sharing that. I know that people will be interested. Let's go back to something we talked about in, I think, the second segment about what lights your soul or why didn't that work? Because I think those are very important questions that we've raised in this show. And finding the time to do that in the car while you're waiting, um, there's some there's some time that you can take for yourself, even if it's just a couple of minutes. And with the smartphones these days, you can make yourself notes. So it doesn't have to be sit down and make a long, lengthy list. It can simply mean that you talk it into voice notes as it comes up. What are some other things you would suggest? I think that's that's a really, uh, really good point, Linda, using our technology to, to help us with those notes. And, and often it's in the times that we spend, you know, it can be as simple as, you know, stepping away from our life and, and going for a little walk in nature that we do get that inspiration. Mm-hmm. And also going back to that lovely sense of lightness with that experimenting mm-hmm. and thinking too, what, what's worked in the past? You know, often we forget. We forget what's what we've done in the past that has worked just so well. Uh, but going back to that trial and error, just with that lovely sense of lightness, that self-kindness and uh, celebrating our wins, even if they're small, you know, they're important. And, and you will naturally build on that, which is, which is fabulous. You know, you're absolutely right. And I, I think that we all can do better on 
the celebrating our wins. I, I love the parts about what gives you joy because I think sometimes we forget the things that make us smile. And so just even noting when you're talking with someone, when someone says something that delights you and you notice yourself smiling or you're reading a book or an article and it comes up, that's another lovely little flag that's saying, you know, you deserve this. You are worthy. And I, I think often women are fearful at um, making changes. But what you're telling us is take the step out, take a trial and error. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? You make a change in your life. Any last thoughts as, as we come to the end of our show? I think, I think too, when, when we're self-critical, Linda, often we think, it's only us. It's only us that have not done this. We forget that we're part of um, the human race mm-hmm. and um, everyone's in the same boat. So once again, that lovely self-kindness and, and compassion can make just such a difference. I love that. Claire, thank you so much for giving of your time today. It's such a very late hour in Australia. It's much appreciated. And you can find more information at Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E dot Kerslake dot com. And I hope you find out more about Claire and we will have our show posted. If you want more shows like this, go to wisehealthforwomenradio.com. And thank you for listening today. Thank you, Claire. And we'll be back next week with more shows, more interesting guests, and more ways to help women thrive. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. It's time for CEO Spotlight Radio with your host, Howard Fox. CEO Spotlight.